Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America, back at my home. I've been in my flagship station the last three days, and now I'm at home, ready to go hit golf balls this afternoon. The phone number, 877-973-7425. We've got to begin with Diane Feinstein, who passed away. Um, she got the memo today. She had passed away some time ago, and and it's now official, I guess. Uh, poor lady. She's been lingering for a while. She's had dementia. Um, and, and they. So you need to understand the backdrop here is that Nancy Pelosi wanted her to stay so that uh, there could be a primary, so Nancy Pelosi could help Adam Schiff get into the Senate, and they were trying to— um, hold on, and Pelosi's family had been serving as uh, Feinstein's caretaker. Before I really dive in, into the details here, I got some thoughts that are just going to make everybody mad. But before I make everybody mad, I got to play for you probably the greatest moment of Diane Feinstein's Senate career. And this is, there are a bunch of earth-first, um, I, I forget exactly what their name is, the, the Sunshine Project, Sunshine Project. There are a bunch of elementary school kids and middle school kids. They're in Senator Feinstein's office. This is from a year ago after she got reelected uh, or two years ago after she got reelected. And <laughs> so these kids come in, they're like, Diane Feinstein, please, please. We need your help. We need your help. The world is going to end. Scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do. Senator, if this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. The government is supposed to be for the people and by the people and all You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here. And you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. Yeah, maybe you little brat should listen instead of telling me what to do. I just got reelected. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Okay. It is not my intention to make people mad with what I'm about to say, but I know how this works. I I, I know how the internet works, and I'm just going to, to dive in here. I'm going to begin with some theology. Oh, it's relevant. Buckle up, folks. So when Eve bites the apple, by the way, do you know, theologically, for those of you who, who may not know this, Christians, atheists like it, you know theologically why uh, it's we consider that the, the sin flows through Adam and not through Eve, even though Eve's the one who took the apple? Because she wasn't around when God said, don't eat the apple. 
or don't take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She wasn't around. That happened before she was created. God told that to Adam. Adam did a terrible job of relaying the message to Eve, did he not? Um, Sin flows through the man. So God tells the woman that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people badly misinterpret that. I would say probably 75% of people misinterpret that line of scripture, that your desire will be for your husband. People interpret it as, oh, women are going to be falling all over their their man and and be subservient to their man. It's not actually what it says. It, It actually means the exact opposite. What it means your desire will be for your husband or your will is that your desire will be to rule over your husband and instead he will rule over you. That's more accurate in the translation. Now, how do I know that's the case? Many of your brains are exploding right now. Your desire will be for your husband doesn't mean that she'll want to be subservient to her husband and follow three steps behind. It actually means that she will want to dominate her husband. How do I know what it means? Well, because when God talks to Cain about Cain killing Abel, he says, sin's desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. It's the same wording. It's the same words. It's the same choice. In other words, just as sin's desire will be to rule over man, a woman's desire will be to rule over her husband, and instead she'll be ruled by him, just as you must rule over sin. Now, why do I bring up the theological point here? Well, welcome to the feminist movement of America. Back in the 1960s, the feminist movement was being birthed in this country. As a number of women who decided they wanted to step into the roles of men in society, they wanted to get into the power institutions of the men. They wanted to be just like the men. They wanted to hang out at the boys' club. Uh, they were burning their bras, and they were kicking down the doors, and they were going to have a seat at the table. They were going to rule over the men. They started out as equal, but we see where this has gone now. Colleges are now disproportionately female. Colleges now, uh, some of them are now having to reopen the door to men with affirmative action programs. It's been pretty successful. Uh, women very dominant in society. The, the, the awfuls rule supreme. The affluent white uh, female urban liberals, they rule supreme as part of the feminist movement. Their desire is to rule over their husbands and everyone else. And Dianne Feinstein and Ruth Bader Ginsburg both come from this movement. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was rising to power in the legal movement of society, working for feminist groups, the ACLU, abortion rights groups and the like, uh, rising through the feminist movement as a cultural icon of the feminist left. At the same time, Dianne Feinstein was. She worked for Harvey Milk in San Francisco, who was assassinated. She becomes mayor of San Francisco, runs successfully, repeatedly as mayor of San Francisco, an iconic mayor of San Francisco, no less, and then becomes the first woman in the United States Senate to be from California. An iconic moment, a transcendent moment for American feminism as they decided to rule over their husbands and ruling and reigning supreme, running on the issue of abortion rights, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg established herself as a champion of abortion, and Dianne Feinstein championed herself as a champion of abortion. Dianne Feinstein opposed uh, partial birth abortion bans, fought relentlessly against them, fought relentlessly to move the Supreme Court to the left, did all of these things to advance abortion rights in addition to gun control in the United States Senate as the original feminist icon, the first woman from California to be on the bench. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you should recall, was the first feminist on the Supreme Court. Yes, Ronald Reagan beat the left with Sandra Day O'Connor, but Sandra Day O'Connor was right-leaning. Bill Clinton put Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. She was the feminist icon. She was the one the feminists wanted. She was the one who was going to allow them to rule over man. And how did it wind up for them? The feminists, like the men they wanted to rule, couldn't give up power. Like the geriatrics of the Senate and the Supreme Court, if the men weren't going anywhere, they weren't going anywhere. So Dianne Feinstein rose to chair the Judiciary Committee of the United States Senate. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg rose to be the iconic dissent on the Supreme Court from the right-wing lurch of power. The notorious RBG in the Supreme Court and Dianne Feinstein, abortion warrior, leading the Judiciary Committee. And Dianne Feinstein, Pastor Prime, beginning to suffer dementia, wouldn't step aside. In the process, Dianne Feinstein dropped the ball on the Brett Kavanaugh nomination. You see, Dianne Feinstein was the original source to whom all of the uh, Blasey Ford allegations were leaked. And Dianne Feinstein, by that point, wasn't capable of launching the PR effort that the left wanted. Not only that, Dianne Feinstein knew the information, botched the transition of the information and the transmission of the information, and what could have been a very much better organized effort by the left to advance Christine Blasey Ford's arguments collapsed. She lost the trust of Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee, including Jeff Flake, who might have been amenable to voting against Brett Kavanaugh. Because of her handling of the Brett Kavanaugh nomination and the underlying allegations, Jeff Flake didn't trust her, didn't trust that the allegations weren't politically motivated. And he wound up voting to advance the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the floor of the Senate, and Kavanaugh got appointed. And then Dianne Feinstein wouldn't leave, nor would Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The feminist cultural icons wouldn't let go of power. They were the first iconic feminists to rise to their ranks in the Senate and in the Supreme Court, and they wouldn't let go. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was encouraged when Barack Obama was president and the Democrats controlled the Senate to leave. Leave while the getting's good. You've had cancer. You've struggled with your health. Your husband has died. You should retire so we can save your seat for the left. And she, the feminist icon, notorious RBG, would go nowhere. Meanwhile, the Democrats in the Senate were telling Dianne Feinstein, you've got to give up your Judiciary Committee seat. You've got to give it up. We need someone who is more able and adept to be able to slow the trains down and stop the Republicans.
And the feminist, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, died because she wouldn't leave when getting was good. Donald Trump was president. The Republicans controlled the Senate. And he advanced Amy Coney Barrett. And Dianne Feinstein wouldn't let go of power. She could not put brakes on the train. She couldn't stop it. They rammed her through. The Democrats were blasting Feinstein. They were horrified by what was happening. She had no ability at this point, no desire to slow the trains down. And Amy Coney Barrett was able to get appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And because Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Dianne Feinstein decided that their desire would be to dominate men as members of the iconic feminist movement and the first wave that advanced in power in this country, and they refused to give up their power. They refused to step aside because if the men wouldn't do it, they wouldn't do it. They deserve a lot of the credit for their signature iconic case of Roe versus Wade being killed off by the United States Supreme Court. The ultimate legacy of both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Dianne Feinstein is that, but for them, Roe v. Wade might still be the law of the land. The irony of Dianne Feinstein is that by her refusal to step aside once Joe Biden and the Democrats took power and had a closely divided Senate, she refused to step down, refused to step aside, and refused to get off the Judiciary Committee. And because she's been gone so long in poor health, the Democrats haven't been able to confirm nearly as many judges as Donald Trump could in the same period of time. Her absence in the Judiciary Committee slowed down the process and slowed down the votes and slowed down the confirmations. So not only did her presence there make the end of Roe v. Wade all but inevitable and Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying made it absolutely sure that it would, Dianne Feinstein's continued presence in the Judiciary Committee until the date of her death caused the Biden administration to not be able to pack the courts with the same level of gusto that the Republicans were able to do. And in becoming the feminist icons who decided to be on the stage and be the equals of men, well, they let that all but one male majority of the Supreme Court rule over them, just as Scripture said. <laughs> Y'all, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. I totally forgot in that that exchange with Diane Feinstein, the kids in the longer clip, the kids. So these these kids are in her office. And they say, we voted for you. And she says, how old are you? And the oldest kid says 16. And she says, well, then you didn't vote for me. <laughs> oh, God rest her soul. All right. Now, look, I know what's going to happen because it's already happening. Uh, it is. It's. I always kind of laugh at this, how everybody comes to these. They, they weave the, the threads together and connect the dots. And, and so I already know it. Um, spare me the phone call on here's what's going to happen. Gavin Newsom is going to appoint Kamala Harris to the U.S. Senate to fill Dianne Feinstein's spot. And then Joe Biden is going to appoint Gavin Harris to be vice president of the United States. And then Biden's going to step aside and bam, Gavin Newsom's going to run for president of the United States. Everybody's got it figured out. I'm always amazed how our minds, all of us, can can weave these stories together to make them so perfect and fit just so perfectly into the box. Um, 
probably not going to happen. Why, if you're Kamala Harris, Joe Biden can't fire you. I, I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but because the vice president of the United States is an elected position, uh, only the voters can fire the vice president. So Joe Biden cannot fire Kamala Harris. If Kamala Harris decided to take one for the team and open the door to the vice presidency, do you really think Joe Biden would want a white guy to replace the first black female president or vice president of the United States. First of all, why would Kamala Harris want to go back to being a senator when right now she is the president of the Senate? Uh, you got me on that one. Um, everybody weaves these things together. It, it used to be that Michelle Obama was going to be the replacement, and, and maybe maybe that will be the next theory that Michelle Obama is going to be the vice presidential pick and Kamala Harris will go back to the Senate. Gavin Newsom is already on record saying he intends to pick a non-white female caretaker to be the senator. So maybe Maxine Waters. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um I, I don't know, but I, I just don't think that the Kamala Harris theory is going to fly. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Now, I want to tell you about Swiss America. They, my friends, are the nation's trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years. You may not even realize there are rules you have to comply with for, um, for 401k and IRA precious metal compliance. They can help you with that, and they can get you into precious metals. In fact, right now, you can get the Walking Liberty half dollar for $13.50 each, limit 250 of them. Um, this is great, great entryway into precious metal collecting for investment purposes, or it's a great gifts for your kids and grandkids, a, a, a real silver coin from the U.S. Mint for $13.50. It's a great deal. Well, what you do is you call them or text them 800-289-2646. And all you do is give them my name, Eric, in the text or call them or go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. You mention Eric when you call or text 800-289-2646 or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Message and data rates apply 800-289-2646. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We got a free for all on the phones today. However, before I get to phone calls, we got to talk about the government shutdown. I got some thoughts. If you are a longtime listener to me or a longtime reader going back to when I was at Red State uh, back starting in 2004, uh, I have never in my life, going back to my start in politics in the 90s when I was in, in college, have never opposed a government shutdown. I am an ardent defender of government shutdowns for one reason and one reason, well, not the only reason, but the primary reason. When the government shuts down, you and I are safe. Uh, you know, my buddy Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, was asked yesterday, uh, well, what happens if a hurricane rolls through Texas when the government shut down? What are you going to do? He says, what do you mean? When, when my great-grandfather was a Texas marshal and a hurricane rolled through, he didn't think, oh, my gosh, I need direction from Washington on how to take care of myself. I mean, part of the problem with, uh, with the government and why I like it shut down is because it reminds people that the world does not come to an end. Government shutdowns are good things 
because people have to take care of themselves. They can't rely on Uncle Sam's man boob to take care of them. They they, they got to find another teat to suckle. They, they, they got to get on with their life. They got to grow up. They got to take care of themselves instead of being dependent on the government for everything. Government shutdowns are good. But every government shutdown has also had a, a plan by conservatives, sometimes successful, many times not, but sometimes successful, worth it. Republican conservatives led by uh, Freedom Caucus members during the Obama administration got sequestration. Sequestration was a real cut to government, not a cut in future growth, but an actual cut at the current government. It was a real and good cut in the size of government. It saved the U.S. budget. They don't always get what they want, like uh, the government shut down to force the end of Obamacare. Didn't get it what it wanted, but it was a worthy fight. You were gonna, we were going to stay there until Obama yielded on Obamacare, and he didn't. And Republicans in the Senate ultimately sold out House Republicans, but it was a, it was a worthy fight. Right now, House Freedom Caucus members have been able to get their House Republican brethren, moderates, progressive, liberals, conservatives, real conservatives, all to go along with an 8% cut in government outside of Defense and Veterans Affairs. That would be the starting negotiating point for House Republicans would be an 8% cut. They might not be able to get an 8% cut. In fact, they wouldn't get an 8% cut. But their starting position was going to be, we want 8% cut to the size and scope of government uh, outside of Defense and Veterans Affairs. That would be their opening position. And if they start at 8%, maybe they get 1%, but they still get a cut in the size and scope of government. You start with your negotiation, be we want 8%, then suddenly you're, you're arguing over what's our cut going to be, not how much bigger are we going to grow government, because they're on record saying absolutely not. We will not grow government. What a continuing resolution tends to do is it says, okay, we're going to continue the government. We're going to add a percent or two to the growth to keep up with inflation. And the House Republicans, their starting position would be 8% cut. They wouldn't get it. So the change in position would be, okay, no cuts, but no growth either. This is zero. The continuing resolution is going to be exactly what it's been. We will not have any new cuts or we will not have any new spending. At least you wouldn't be growing government. But a half dozen populists, they're not even really conservatives, they're populists. They seem to just want to shut down the government. Now, again, if you want to just shut down the government, shut down the government. But what are you going to get out of it? The government's eventually going to be open. You're not going to shut it down permanently. I wish you could, but you're not going to. So what are you hoping to get? And that's the problem. Every government shutdown we've ever had, you knew what they wanted. Even if they couldn't get it, you knew what they wanted. And now it seems like this is to get rid of Kevin McCarthy from Matt Gates, but not from everybody else. For him, it's about Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. For the others, it's about different things for each one of them. They just want to shut the government down, but they have no master plan to get anything. They have no way to build a coalition. So here is what's going to happen, and this is my concern. The moderate Republicans... We'll work with the Democrats in the House and the moderate Republicans and the Democrats will hatch a plan that grows the government. The starting point had been an 8% cut. 
The House Freedom Caucus was able to get the moderate Republicans and the liberal Republicans, got all of them, to agree. We're going to, our negotiating position to start the negotiations with the Senate would be an 8% cut. And along come the, this half dozen group of people who said, nope, we're not going to vote for the continuing resolution. Okay. I'm fine with shutting down the government. But we need to understand where this heads, and that is to the growth of government. Ukraine will be funded. The moderate Republicans support funding Ukraine. The Democrats do as well. So they will cut a deal that undermines the conservatives. Under the rules of the House, if 218 members agree, they can bring something to the floor. So if the House conservative populace half dozen dig in their heels and cause the government to shut down, then you have all the Democrats and a handful of Republicans get together. They come up with their own plan. They even cut McCarthy out of the process. They grow the government. They fund Ukraine. They don't fund the border. And it's an acceptable deal to a majority of the Senate. I mean, that's my problem here. I want to be on the side of shutting down the government. Shutting down the government is a good thing. But I can see what's going to happen. I can see what's going to happen. You have a majority of the Republicans in the House. A majority of the House Freedom Caucus supports cutting government by 8%. And six Republicans just want to shut down the government for the sake of shutting down the government. That's going to push the moderates to the side of the Democrats. And not only is the government going to open back up, but it's going to grow. If you want to shut down the government, you need a plan. Every time conservatives have orchestrated a shutdown of the government, they've had a plan. Hasn't always worked out for them. But occasionally, it's gotten them something like sequestration. The Senate Republicans want a clean resolution. What is a clean resolution? That means no strings attached. They're going to take exactly what they came up with the last continuing resolution. They're going to pass it again, add a percentage here or there to grow government, and pass it. That's what the Senate Republicans want. The House conservatives who want to shut it down have not even built a coalition of of conservative senators to help them. They're just freelancing, doing it. They don't have a plan. This This is what bothers me about this shutdown is that this seems to be a grift. Matt Gates wants to sabotage Kevin McCarthy. I don't like Kevin McCarthy. What's so funny is a lot of you who are listening were mad at me in January of last year, or no, January of this year, when I was opposed to Kevin McCarthy. It's so funny that so many of the people who were mad at me for opposing Kevin McCarthy are now mad at me for not wanting to go along with Matt Gates to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. I'm perfectly fine getting rid of Kevin McCarthy. Just what's the rest of the plan? Are we going to get rid of McCarthy and then reopen the government and grow the government? Because that's what the Democrats want. That's what the moderates want. I want to gut the government. I want a government small enough I can drown it in a teacup. And all I can see that this plan for a shutdown is going to give me is a bigger government when it reopens. The House Republican starting position for negotiations with the Senate was 8% cut. So the worst case scenario would be status quo. And that's not good. It's too much. But it's better than growing government. The House position was an 8% across the board cut. 
except for defense and veterans affairs. And that wasn't good enough for Matt Gates. It wasn't good enough for some of the others. Now, some of them always historically vote against continuing resolutions. God bless them. I admire their principle. And if I were there, I'd be with them. Say, nope, you got to get votes from someone else. I'm not voting for a continuing resolution. And that's fine. But Matt Gates has voted for continuing resolutions. In fact, most of the half dozen who are saying they're going to shut down the government have voted for continuing resolutions that have grown government. With Gates, it seems personal to McCarthy. And that's fine. I don't like McCarthy. But I don't like the government either. And when your starting negotiation was 8% cuts and you wind up shutting down the government and it comes back and instead you've got a 3% increase in government, we can't afford a 3% increase in government. We can't afford a 1% increase in government. So what's your plan? That's the problem. What's the plan? There's no articulated plan on how to keep the government from growing once the shutdown is over. There's no articulated plan to offer House Republican moderates to keep them from skipping out to the Democrats. The House Republican moderates were on record supporting an 8% cut. They were willing to go along with that, and it got scrapped by these six people. If we're going to shut down the government, keep it shut down. The problem is we're not going to keep it shut down. You know it, and I know it. The moderates will work with the Democrats, and they'll reopen it. And the and the Democrats want growth of government, not of the economy, not, not of your livelihood. They, they want growth of government. They want to put you on the social safety net and let the government fund your life. And the moderates, they don't want to shut down the government. They were willing to do an 8% cut. But the moderates will be willing to grow the government if that's how they get the government back up and they think the government's a good thing. They think the government needs to be around. I don't. So what's the plan, populists? What's the plan? It's like the guy in Georgia, Colton Moore, who wants to call a special session of the legislature to impeach Fawny Willis. Everybody's told him no. He's been booted from the from the Republican caucus in the Senate. He, he doesn't actually have a plan. He's got a grift. He's, he's fundraising off of this. He doesn't have the votes. Even if all the Republicans agreed to do it, they don't have the votes to stop the DA. They need a two-thirds vote of both houses in the Georgia legislature. He hadn't bothered to point that out to any of the people sending any money. There's no plan there. It's just a grift. And that's what I feel like is happening here. You know, I'm willing to die on the ramparts of government shutdown. I am willing to die on the ramparts for the conservative cause. But my willingness to die on the ramparts has been tempered by the fact that so many of these people are clowns. They're like the Washington Generals. The Washington Generals are that that uh, exhibition-based basketball team that always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. You know at every single game that the Washington Generals are the bad guys who are going to lose. I'm willing to stand on the ramparts, and I'm willing to fight for government shutdown, but i got to sneaking suspicion. We don't actually have some sort of master plan to get anything accomplished. It's just a shutdown for the sake of a shutdown that ultimately will reopen the government and it'll be bigger. And I just don't want to go through a shutdown fight when there's actually not a plan in place to fight for anything other than letting the moderates hop over to the Democrats and grow government when it reopens. That's that's not a plan any of us should get behind. We've got to stop the growth of government. And this plan by Matt Gates and the populists seems just to be a plan of spite against McCarthy, not a plan to actually be spiteful of the size and scope of government. There's my problem.
feel free to disagree. 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have you call in and talk about a government shutdown. And again, I would totally be fine with one, except I know where this is going to lead. I can see it a mile away. Now, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure 360. It is a great, fantastic cooler and heater. I actually printed out the specs because I can't remember all of them. So uh, low heat, 900 watts, high heat, 1500 watts, 10 fan levels, temperature settings from 40 to 90 degrees, 120 volt uh, plug. It weighs 7.8 pounds and it shoots the air 33 feet. It's got a remote control and a six foot cord. And boy, is this thing quiet. You can heat up a room. It doesn't have bulbs to replace. It uses copper coil, or you can cool a room down with the high rapid circulation of air. It works. It's a heater. It's a cooler. It's a great fan. You can go to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure is the driven snow. EdenPureDeals.com. You click on the discount code box, and you put in ERIC360, E-R-I-C-K-360. You get over $25 off the lowest price listed. You get free shipping EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code Eric360, EdenPureDeals.com. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They're in Noonan, Georgia, but they can help businesses across the country. They're building loan and they make their own decisions. The Frost family, I know them. They're good people and they have been helping small businesses become very big businesses since the early 90s. They know how to do it and particularly in these economically uncertain times. I mean, they've lived through them. They've done business through them. A lot of banks weren't even around uh, in these sort of times. So if you need help buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, you need $250,000 or more, reach out to the Frost family, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. They would be happy to have you spend 10 minutes with them, see if they're a fit for you and you for them. Uh, those of you on the phones, be very patient with me, please. I've got a short segment and I don't want to do you a disservice. So I will start the next uh, hour with your phone calls, 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. I do want to tell you that the impeachment hearing has begun, and there are not yet a ton of revelations. You know, most of the media is ignoring them. They they feel like it's vindictive, that it's petty, it's it's just revenge for Trump. Trump has kind of said that's what was going on here, which gave them cause to ignore it. Um, Jonathan Turley is the Republican. He was their their lead opening constitutional witness, and I got to agree with a lot of my friends on the right and, and others that he probably wasn't the best guy to start with. This is part of his exchange with the Democrats. Can you explain uh, to the committee and the country why you believe that the current evidence does not support the articles of impeachment today? Well, at the moment, these are allegations, and there are, there is some credible evidence there that is the basis of the allegations. But I, I understand that, and I'm not questioning that. I'm, I'm questioning what you, you don't think today, if you were going to vote, if this was the case, you would vote no, correct? On this evidence, certainly. Yeah. Uh, he, he said in his opening statement that there is um, no grounds for high crimes or misdemeanors, but... Jonathan Turley said that's part of what this investigation for is to try to uncover it. Here's Neil Cavuto from Fox. But when you begin to trumpet what you have as the beginning of an explosive inquiry into the president of the United States to potentially remove him from office, you would think you would bring your A game. Now, maybe this is all part of a pattern and a legal process of which I'm totally unfamiliar. Guilty as charged. But this took over six hours today, my friends, over six hours. I wonder. 
Yeah, I mean that that's it, it took over 6 hours there were no big revelations but you had republican witnesses saying there's no there there. Uh, that's kind of the problem. What really is crummy is that house republican staff not lending their names but talking to members of the press are blasting the impeachment inquiry already. I, I I'm actually kind of that right there should be grounds for taking out Kevin McCarthy to have senior leadership staff coming out saying this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Uh, get your get your staff in line, Mr. Speaker. Don't undermine Jim Jordan or James Comer on this. Uh, let them dig into this and see if there is a there there. There might just be. This was just the opening salvo, but all the major media outlets ignoring it. All right, uh, we got more to talk about when we come back. Uh, the too late realization. I told you people this was coming. The Democrats now realize maybe embracing the phrase Bidenomics was a bad idea, and they're starting to panic uh, and and get Joe Biden there, desperate to get him to stop using the label. I'll take your phone calls as well right after the start of the show. 877-973-7425. 